Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that gets you inside NRG Stadium or outside or wherever we happen to be. And we're all over the place these days. The Hyundai Mobile Texans Radio Studio with the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo going on at NRG Stadium. Sometimes we're in, sometimes we're out, but we're always close to your Houston Texans. Mark Vandermeer with you with John Harris. It's Roundtable Tuesday. I just branded it. It's on. We have D.P. Sidhu with us. We have Drew Doherty with us. The gang's all here. And let's talk. Look, we were going to do a complete combine breakdown today, and we'll do a little bit of that. But there's some earth-shattering seismic news in the National Football League today. And, gang, let's dig in here because as big a story as Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay – The biggest story of the day is movement, and that is of Russell Wilson going to the Denver Broncos in a big move that certainly hits home because there might be a trade here sometime, sometime in the future, and you never know what that's going to bring. But this brought a lot for Seattle. It brought two ones, two twos. It brought a five. It brought Noah Fant, Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, and also Denver got a four in the mix for some reason. But Johnny, gut reaction will get everybody's. To this move, they got two ones. They got two ones. That was what stood out to me. And the other part of it was well, there were a couple things. Number one, the two ones. Well, you know what they traded for Jamal Adams? Two ones. Ooh. So if you're a Seattle fan, you probably look at it and go, you didn't get a whole lot more than we got uh, that we gave up to get Jamal Adams to send off Russell Wilson. So that was one thing. The second thing that stood out is Russell Wilson's 33. He is seven years older than our current quarterback. And I looked at it and thought, would I right now take the number nine overall, the number 41 overall this year, in addition to first and seconds next year, and the three players, and of course there's a fifth in there, and the three players that the Broncos got. Man, it would be hard to turn it away. I feel like they got a pretty good haul. I told Suds as I was sitting in the studio because this thing broke when we, I was sitting in the studio with Suds, and I just said, I don't want the players at all, honestly. I don't, if any trade materializes, I don't want any players. I just want picks. And I know that gets tricky, but Drew Locke's not going to do anything for Seattle. Now, Shelby Harris and Noah Fant might, but it's not really about the players. It's about the picks. I want to grow and develop players whether I get them in the fourth round or fifth round. So if you got to give me three firsts, two seconds, a fourth, a fifth, whatever to make it right, I'll take that fourth and a fifth. Because last year, Nick Casario took fourth and fifths and a fourth next year, whatever it was, and moved up and got Nico Collins, and that's going to pan out. So I'd much rather have the young – I'd rather, much rather have the picks, even though Les Snead says F them picks. I want the picks. We need the picks here in Houston. So – that was the first thing that stood out to me was Jamal Adams, the Seahawks gave up two, two, two firsts. Now they're giving up two firsts. Now they're also giving up a high second. Um, and then the second next year, we'll see where that ends up. But they're going to end up having Seattle is going to end up having, I think it's three picks in the top 41. That's a pretty good spot if they're going to rebuild. And I don't know if the full rebuild is completely done. Apparently they're shopping Tyler Lockett. Uh, they're going to roll with Drew Locke and – they're going to have all these picks going into a year in which the college quarterbacks are going to be fantastic with C.J. Stroud coming out, who we saw actually in our hotel checking out the other day uh, from Ohio State. You're going to have uh, Bryce Young from out of Alabama. You have Phil Jacobic from out of Boston College. You'll have um, Will Rogers from Mississippi State. It's going to be a quarterback draft. So if this year they kind of bite the bullet 
eh, they don't play so well. They get a top three pick. They're going to get one of those quarterbacks next year and reset that whole thing with a bunch of ammunition to go with it. So interesting times in Seattle. All right. The fact that the Broncos, the Broncos are picking ninth in the draft this year. This is, I mean, this is a lot of high picks for, for the Seattle Seahawks, but well, it's one, it's, it's one, one high pick. It's one. And then he the gets two to Denver, Denver is not going to be picking in the top nine again. <laughs> well, they get two ones, two twos. So it's a one and a two this year and a one and a two next year. Correct. Yeah. And the two is That's pretty correct. good that they already That's have still a good two. Yeah. Well, the two, that's like, a, like I said, they got they got the number 41 overall pick, which was they have the the um, the who they had 64. Denver had 64 in a Von Miller deal, and they also had 41 Ooh. and the okay. Seahawks wanted number 41 mm-hmm. and they got 41. So there's a difference there. So that, that was good in getting those. The thing is with a trade and as it as it were for, um, you know, if it even if it happens for us. The key is getting that top 10 pick th- the year you trade that that player because once that player gets there, they're not going to have that top 10 pick again. So, yes, it was key for Denver uh, um, for Seattle to get that number nine pick. And, again, the number 10 pick, which would have been theirs, they gave up for a safety Jamal Adams. So they didn't have theirs, but they ended up getting a, a number nine overall picks. They moved up a spot, if you want to say it that way. But that was the key because next year, Denver's probably going to be picking in the 28 through 32 range. And that's what Seattle's going to end up getting. I'm confused as to who's rebuilding and who's not rebuilding. Because I honestly <laughs> thought that Denver was going to rebuild after they traded Von Miller last year. And no. now it appears that Seattle is rebuilding, but that's the whole reason why Jamal Adams went to Seattle in the first place is because he didn't want to stay with the jets because the jets were rebuilding. So, I mean, I guess that just, with, with with Denver landing this trade, that means that they're all in now. I mean, they they've yeah. got to start collecting free agents very quickly uh, with whatever money they have left, right? I mean, they're, maybe they're, Von they're Miller. Com- <laughs> well, maybe they they got to compete in that AFC West, and it seems like they weren't going to waste any time trying to do that. Well, I don't think there was anything with Von, the Von Miller trade last year. That was that was George Patton's way of getting a, a two and a three to bolster what he was potentially going to have to give up to go get a quarterback. And ah. that, that mm-hmm. Denver roster is, even though they gave up Bon Miller, that Denver roster is primed to win right now, especially offensively, because Garrett Bowles at left tackle is, is bordering on the Pro Bowl. Dalton Reiser inside is phenomenal. They've got tons of receivers. Uh, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon's as good a one-two as you're going to find in the league. That offense was ready to break out. Now they got Nathaniel Hackett as the play caller and head coach. Now they got Russell Wilson. That offense is going to be pretty dangerous, and it's a defense that still is going to be pretty stout because they got Bradley Chubb, they got Justin Simmons. This is still going to be a pretty stout group, and it's going to have to be to play in that AFC West, which is going to be pretty salty with Derek Carr. Somebody tweeted today, I thought it was pretty funny, that the Derek Carr is potentially the all-time greatest quarterback who is the worst quarterback in his division like he is right now. <laughs> That's crazy to say because Derek Carr, you could argue, is a top-10 quarterback in the league. And he's number four in his own division. When I saw this, the first thing I thought of was just displacement. You know, that's one uh, one spot, Denver, that they don't need a quarterback anymore. But now Seattle needs a quarterback. Does it mean that they're still moving or are they going to be patient and do it down the line? But they've got their first round pick next year. They've got their first round pick in 2024. That was the next thing I looked at once I thought displacement in this. Because I don't really care about the Broncos. I don't really care about the Seahawks. I'm localizing it, thinking about what's going on here. 
And that's what I thought. I just think the squares have been moved around in this puzzle, whatever it is. I, yeah, that they don't need a quarterback. Neither does green Bay. They're sticking with Aaron Rodgers, which was the other huge, huge news of the day. So it just means somebody else needs a quarterback. And I think it's the Seattle Seahawks. I don't think drew lock is the future there. Um, And I just, you know, I wonder what this means next for draft pick compensation. We were but at the office. All, Go ahead, I was going to say they they have all the they have all those picks now, so yep. they have a quite they, a bounty. They do, and Pete Carroll's seventy-ish, right? So you wonder how much longer and how attractive because when you talk localize it, Russell Wilson had a no trade clause, so he had to approve of the deal to Denver. Localizing it, there's a no trade clause, so you'd have to okay a Seattle transaction. And the other thing here is, oh, by the way, we were in the office today. And we have an open concept right now where we're at in our business offices for digital broadcast media. And it's almost like Drew Doherty stood up and said, Recco, like in boiler room, <laughs> Russell Wilson has been traded. He stood up and did that. And that was not too long after the Aaron Rodgers news broke. And the Aaron Rodgers news breaking was actually good news because it meant the market was still wide open as far as possible teams. And I still think it's open enough, but Denver was one less spot on the board, if you will. Here's another thing. The Texans are going to play the AFC West. The Texans are going to Denver. You're going to see Russell Wilson this year in the flesh. You're going to see Derek Carr in Vegas in the flesh, not playing the NFC West, but the NFC West was the best division in football. Is it now definitely the AFC West? Because you took a quarterback out of there. It was on the fourth place team. Now he's in the AFC West on a team that finished fourth, but maybe they don't finish fourth this year. Is that the best division in football, Johnny? I don't think there's any question it is. If it's not the AFC West, it's NFC West, but you just took arguably one of the better quarterbacks in the NFC West and put him in the AFC West. The West is ridiculous. Uh, And oh, by the way, uh, the news that got buried, which shouldn't be, shouldn't be, is Kyler Murray put all of his pictures back on Instagram that showed him in Cardinals uniform. So yay, everything's good in Arizona. Um, But Seattle, (laughs) no, Seattle is not an option. And that because they're sh- they're shopping guys. They're shopping Tyler Lockett. They're probably not going to bring back Dwayne Brown. This feels like a full-on rebuild. I think the next domino to fall in Seattle would be would be whether Pete Carroll wants to go through that rebuild. Now, if Pete puts his foot down and says, "No, I got to I got to do it now." Okay, well then then they're going to be in a mix, but the rumor has it Tyler Lockett's on the move. Um Dwayne Brown's probably not going to re-sign there. He obviously was a franchise, so I think Seattle by Seattle making that deal, it knocks two teams out because it knocks Denver out, but Seattle wasn't going to make a move anyways. But I still think there are plenty of suitors out there. It's just a matter of which one fits the best. And that's going to, and ultimately to Mark's point is, will the no trade clause get in the way again? And that's going to be sort of tricky. But again, you know, we always, we always do this. We have to do this. And, preface it with, you know, there's a pretty massive legal situation that has to be encountered. We just talk about it for the football situation because I know nothing about legal, none of that. If it gets cleared, he gets cleared, whatever, and there's an option, then this is your starting point to me for a deal to be made with somebody. I just don't know who that somebody's going to be. To me, I think the NFC South makes the most sense. Makes the most sense because the Panthers have always been in the mix. The Bucs obviously are looking for an option. Bruce Arians is going to stick around for rebuilding. The Saints don't have any money, but the Saints would be probably the best fit uh, for what's there if they're going to keep Michael Thomas and move forward. Uh, And then you got the Falcons, 
which is really tricky, but obviously that's his home. And you got Matt Ryan there. That's the tricky part. But, man, to me, NFC South would make a lot of sense uh, for a deal. But we'll see. It's, uh, hopefully, we'll all work itself out. But I'm just so happy, so happy that Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. Yay, the drama's over. Well, I'm happy now. that the drama's over. But, man, I don't know about you guys, but I was getting a little tired of the Aaron Rodgers drama. I really was. He made the decision in good time. But they come out with the story. They didn't come out with it. Ian Rappaport did. And then later, Aaron Rodgers was like, hold the phone on the contract. Yeah, I will be in Green Bay. But the parameters are not as reported. Whatever. He's staying. And that's what matters. I'm glad he's not on the move. I think he should stay there. It's good for the league. I mean, for that, that amount of money, where was he going to go? He's, he wasn't, <laughs> no one's going to pay him that amount of money. But I just thought it was interesting that, you know, he's decided to stay in Green Bay. I thought they would all sort of kiss and make up. But him coming out with that statement afterwards was a little weird. I mean, I get that you want to clarify things, but it just sort of came off as he's still a little bit salty about the whole thing. So I don't know. I still think there's trouble in paradise. I think he's eliminated all, I think he's eliminated every vestige of that's a little weird. Just you gotta know <laughs> going in. He's weird. Okay. okay he's yes. a weirdo. Great quarterback. Weirdo. You that's can be it. weird. Simple. You can be weird and content though, Drew. I don't think he's con- completely content and maybe he never will be. Maybe that's just who he is. I think that's like kind of been clear throughout, you know, like the last 15 years or so. This guy's always got something, some little tick that he's in. And all these guys, for the most part, have, you know, a chip on their shoulder of some sort dating back to. But he's got lots of little chips, I think, some bigger than others. I'll tell you, the league is unbelievable right now because you have the Super Bowl. Two weeks later, we're at the Combine with all that craziness last week. This week, we have this stuff happening, franchise tag and all these contractual announcements, this trade, which can't be official yet, by the way, until the league year gets going. And then free agency next week with one week from now, we'll be hip deep in all the stories, agreements that have been made, but can't become official till Wednesday afternoon. Uh, But let's rewind a bit because I think it all starts with the combine. You have a look at the college prospects and there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of chatter about what could be happening. And then you come into this week. And as I mentioned, the rest of the way with the league year starting up, but Drew, let's start with you, your thoughts on what you saw last week, things that stand out as they apply to the Texans or maybe the Texans in the NFL landscape. Yeah. You know, I talked a little bit about this with John earlier today. The last day that we were there, it was just kind of a weird, surreal, and this is kind of veering off of what you want to hear, I think, but <laughs> it sort of started that day at the Combine with the four of us chit-chatting with TJ Yates for quite a bit of time, and we weren't on the air with him, but we, we, we got quite a bit of background information on his time with the Texans as a player, on his time with the Texans as a coach, what's going on in Atlanta, the league as a whole. There was a lot that we gleaned from that. And then DP and I had to walk back to our hotel to leave for the airport because we we're flying home. We ran into offensive coordinator Pep Hamilton, chit-chatted with him for just a few, few minutes. We kept on walking. We got back. We got our bags. We're about to get in the Uber, and Akeem Dent comes to buy a candy <laughs> bar right. right by us. And you might say, well, who's Akeem Dent? If you remember, he was the guy we traded TJ Yates to the Falcons for. And he came to the Texans, was a good, solid backup linebacker, played on special teams, had some big hits here and there. And then when he finished as a player, and he wound up playing with TJ for a little bit, when he finished as a player, he and TJ were assistant coaches with the Texans for a couple years. So it was just kind of like weird, A, thinking all of the people that we just saw, and B, all the time that we've spent in the league now. I mean, each of us has been here at least since 2014. We're going on a decade, some of us. 
here in this conversation, two decades. So <laughs> it's just so much fun. And that's, that's the combine experience. If you get to experience it, you know, for more than a day or two. And I really had fun being back and seeing stuff like that happen. You forgot one weird aspect of our last day in Indy while we were talking to TJ Yates. Uh, the Indy, the city of Indianapolis yes. hospitality crew has been working to keep the combine in Indianapolis, which was mm-hmm. like a hot topic all week long. Mm-hmm. And it, it was this was what, 930 a.m., 10 a.m. Uh-huh. They were handing out plates of, oh, yes, shrimp cocktail to everybody, <laughs> which is delicious afternoon, maybe. But at nine in the morning, I mean, it was just like plates and Mark. Vandermeer here ate his and he ate mine as well because I couldn't turn it down, but it was just so early. But what, I mean, what a week it just, they really wanted the combine to stay in Indy. It was a great, it was such a great week, especially after not having had the combine last year. And I think Drew and I, we were saying we haven't traveled for games. So the last work trip that we both took was the combine in 2020. So it was really nice to be out and about and see people that we hadn't seen in a couple of years, but I thought overall the week went great. I loved hearing from the players and laying eyes on them, especially because we finally have a first round pick again. So I feel like we're all invested. It's the last few years, the combines, you know, not been the same when you don't have a first round pick because you don't really know yeah. what or first who and, you're going to get first and second. I mean, you first feel like and second, an embarrassment this, of riches. There's this gargantuan <laughs> hole before you pick. I mean, it's not just Thursday night. It's the better part of Friday night. And then, you know, yeah. around siesta time, well, it's not siesta, it's really bedtime. That's when you finally get to make your selection in the third round. And remember that one year, what was it, 2018, the Brian Gain year, where it was bang, 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 three picks in the third round, all late on Friday night, which was so strange. One of them, Justin Reed, who's headed for the market unless he comes to an agreement with the Texans. But Johnny, your biggest takeaway from the combine, I know you had many. We've read your Harris hits. They're awesome. They're on HoustonTexans.com in the app. Fast track. I don't think there's any secret to it. Uh, whatever new turf they put down in Indianapolis, you know, had go-go juice left on it because the guys that I watched run, they were flying. I mean, flying. The times were incredible. Between Baylor's three guys going sub 4-4, that was the first time it's ever been done by one school uh, at the Combine, to all of Georgia's guys just putting on a show. I mean, a complete total show. Um, I mean, the, def- the three defensive linemen were just sick, but the fact that they had three linebackers, one's a backup. I mean, the backup is a 42-inch vertical leap and ran a 4-4-2, um, Channing Tindall. I mean, he's just – it's unbelievable. So, you had those, but um, I know everybody in Houston, you know, likes hearing about running backs, and I walked out of there watching the running backs thinking, oh, man, there may not – there." We've been saying, I've been saying for a while, I didn't think any any back would be taking the first round. That's just partially me because I don't know that I would take a back unless it is just a superior, like B. John Robinson next year at Texas. I think it's a possibility he'd go in first round. He's a first round running back. These guys are bordering on it. But man, Brees Hall ran 437. Guys, you know, Kenny Walker from Michigan State ran 438. Those are two of my top three. Isaiah Spiller, he tried to gut it out, but he has some oblique problem or something going on. So he wasn't able to work out in full. He'll probably work out his pro day on March 21st, I believe is when it is. But the running backs, there's so many running backs. You could point at any one of these running backs and go, John, would you like him for the Texans? And just go down a list. Yes, 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 yes. I would, any of them. I mean, I'm not going to tell you they're all going to be Hall of Famers, but I love all of them for different reasons. But there's so many of them that you could just draft and they'll automatically be better than what we've had in the backfield the last few years. So it was just interesting to me to watch the running backs. 
and how much I, I really like this class. And you can, and Drew and I have done this. You can do an exercise in which you do mock drafts on PFF or draft network or whatever. And you come out of there with two running backs and they can be diametrically different. You know, you can have Tyler Batty, who's five foot eight, 195 pounds. And you can have Brian Robinson, who's 6'2", 215. And those two could end up playing together and giving you two completely different skill sets. So I think the running backs, there's, I, just, I love this class just because it's got such depth and diversity all the way throughout. So I'm going to be really excited to see what the Texans are able to do in taking in one of these running backs. I mean, they have to. If they go through a draft and don't draft a running back in any round, I, I, I would just be dumbfounded. And I don't think it'll happen. Because Nick Casario and both both he and Lovey Smith have talked about needing a younger back. So this is where it starts. And this running back group is really, really good. Okay. We have no idea what the Texans are going to do in free agency, but we're going to find out soon enough. So quick thoughts on what might happen, not necessarily who they might get, but what you're expecting, the lay of the land as we get into next week and the signings are fast and furious. Drew. I don't think they'll be fast and furious here. I think they kind of stick with what we've sort of become accustomed to, you know, basically in franchise history around here, you know, with an exception in 18, you signed the honey badger about a week after the big push. But I think the Texans are a little bit more patient. They're not going to make any splashes. We almost have heard as much, uh, you know, going through things in the last month or so. But yeah, I would, I would think that the signings start happening about a week, week and a half in if they do. Okay, Deepy, your thoughts on free agency? I would expect the Texans to re-sign some of their own, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think with Levy Smith taking over as head coach, I think he knows what he has in this defense. They played pretty well last year. So all those free agent deals, one-year deals, I I expect that we might retain some of those and maybe even Justin Reed. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of safeties out there on the market. Uh, you know, maybe maybe that I think everyone's just sort of assuming he's going to move on to greener pastures and make more money somewhere else. Or maybe not. Maybe he decides, you know, he's not going to make that much more money anywhere else. And he wants to stay here with Lovey Smith. I think we're going to see some returners uh, here this year. It's not going to be so many new faces. This is totally my prediction. I feel like mm-hmm. some of these guys are going to want to come back and play for Lovey. And Lovey's going to want to have some of his defensive players back as well. Johnny. It's going to be dollar, dollar bills, y'all going all over the place. <laughs> but just not to players coming here. I, don't, I agree with both y'all. I don't think it's going to be – it's not one of those years in which we're going to go sign Jonathan Joseph and Daniel Manning. It's just not going to happen. And it's not going to happen. So I think there – I don't think it's going to be a complete philosophy. I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I feel like going into the draft last year, it was going to be that, hey, let's get youthful. Let's get a bunch of draft picks, and we're going to load up after making the trade. Well, when things got in the way of that trade happening, they had to pivot to plan B. And I think this year, if they're able to make that trade and pile up the picks, I think this team gets younger. And so I don't see a lot happening from outside perspective coming in. I agree with DP. I do think they'll sign a few of their own, but they'll get this team young and start building and developing through the draft uh, as we'd hope they would have last year. They just weren't able to do it, but I think they will be able to do it this year. I predict that even though you had a lot of players come in last year, a lot of them obviously were not marquee busters. I think you're going to have a few more eyebrow raises like "Mm." guys who come in and they'll make you react a little bit more like that. They won't be mind blowing dollar busting bank breaking acquisitions. They'll be interesting though. 
and they'll continue to build. I think they're in a good situation. Johnny talked about the quarterback draft next year. You have Davis Mills this year. You run it back with Davis from day one. He's the starter all offseason. He's the man. Now, I'm not saying you don't bring in the other option because I've always felt you need another option, but he's your QB one right now. And you go with it like that and see where 2022 takes you. It's going to be very interesting. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Johnny, you and I are going to do more likely to happen next right here. And it involves a new quarterback in a new place, some old quarterbacks, some young quarterbacks, a lot of quarterbacks next on more likely to happen here on Texans radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. We got done with our roundtable Tuesday, and we're talking all sorts of things related to the big news of the day in the National Football League and of the week and weeks and years and all of it. Here we go, Johnny. We're going to do more likely to happen. We're applying it to today's news, though, of course. Oh are you ready? Of course you are. Here of course. We go. More likely to happen. More likely to happen. Denver finishes higher in the division than the Raiders or the Raiders finish higher in the division. More likely to happen. Who's going to finish better in the division? That's basically what I'm trying to phrase here badly. So Denver has Russell Wilson now in case anybody's been in a tree and, all day or something. And, and a lot of changes in Denver. You got Nathaniel Hackett as head coach. You've got yeah. uh, Russell Wilson taking over at quarterback. I think this Denver offense yeah. is about to go to a different level. I mean, they've had the pieces in place. They just couldn't find the right trigger man to be able to do that. I think it's about to go to a different level um, off. Uh, I mean, offensively in Denver, I feel it's going to go to a different level offensively in, in Las Vegas too, because I think, Jack, I think Josh McDaniels with Derek Carr is going to be a really solid combination. And there are a lot of pieces out in Las Vegas. I just from this question standpoint, I wish Las Vegas would have kept those offensive linemen. Getting all rid of all those offensive linemen made Derek Carr run for his life last year. Yeah. Um, if if Las Vegas stays healthy, I think Las Vegas is going to be pretty salty too. But the impact of Russell Wilson in Denver with all those offensive pieces, with Hackett as the play caller head coach, and with a defense that's got some superstars on it, and potentially getting Von Miller back. Well, I don't know. Who knows? I, I put the Broncos a tad ahead of the Raiders. That's going to be that's going to be a oh, those are going to be must see games. And oh, by the way, mm-hmm. the Broncos go to the Seahawks this year. Oh, I didn't Don't. realize that. That's a good old fashioned old school AFC West matchup. Yes. Where have you got Dave Craig? Where's yes. Dave Let's go. That is that's got to be Sunday night, right? Sunday night out in Seattle. Oh, yes. Oh, it's got to be. It it's has got, to be. It's got Sunday night written all over it. That's going to be awesome. Although you better do it early because Seattle might be terrible if they're in that rebuild. It's a good so point. Do it early for the Russell Wilson comeback. You know, I don't know. I think the Raiders could get really good. McDaniels, he's got coaching experience. He's been there once yep. before. I like the second chance, guys. And Hackett's never done it before. We'll see. You know, Vic Fangio, they gave him a lot of grief, but the defense was going pretty good at times. And Vic's a good defensive coach. He's no longer there. I know the offense, it wasn't working out according to plan. And that should be a whole lot better, of course, right now. But we'll see. All right. More likely to happen. More likely to happen. More likely to have a better career. Malik Willis or any other quarterback in the class, name the other quarterback more likely to have a better career than Malik Willis. Cole Kelly. No. Um, 
And for those that don't know Cole Kelly, he's a six foot seven, 260 pound quarterback. In fact, I think you measured at 250 from southeastern Louisiana, wow. who is part Wildcat quarterback, part uh, Josh Allen, uh, Josh Allen of the Bills, not the Jags. He's a monster. I wouldn't mind us taking a flyer on Cole Kelly on day three just because he could give a little bit different look and he can sling it. I mean, he can throw it. It's right. He's Ryan Mallett. Um, when he was at Arkansas before he transferred, um, he looked like Mallet because he could throw it. Um, I, I think – I don't think – yeah, I, I would say – well, it's a hard one. I think I'm going to take the field on this one because I feel like I've got a couple options. Number one, I've got Kenny Pickett ahead, just slightly ahead of Malik Wills. I think Kenny Pickett's going to have a fine NFL career. I think if Pickett gets in the right situation – now, he's got to be right situation guy. Right. If he gets in the right situation, it could be really good. I think Malik Willis doesn't quite have to be right situation guy because Malik can take a bad coaching situation, safe plays by his legs, getting outside the pocket and making plays. If he's in a good situation where they're maximized his legs and his assets, boy, he could be a really big time threat. But I think the guy that's kind of getting lost in all this is Matt Corral. And because he wasn't able to go to the senior bowl because of an injury, he wasn't able to work out at the combine because of that same ankle injury he suffered in the Sugar Bowl. And because of the ankle injury itself, the fact that his decision-making is sort of questioned, I think Matt Corral's kind of fallen off the wayside a little bit. Matt Corral, healthy, is a dude. He is an absolute gunslinger. So I would put some money on Matt Corral to make some noise, too. So I'm going to go with the field because that gives me Pickett. It gives me Corral and then a wild card maybe I'm not thinking about. Maybe a guy, oh, boy. How about Brown University alum E.J. Perry? Ooh. How about that? Johnny? Yeah, that would work. Johnny would be very happy, and he's up there at Sam Houston State right now as their offensive coordinator. Go Bearcats. All right, more likely to happen. More likely to happen. And we'll get back to the current state of affairs in just a moment. Let's do a most likely. Most likely to be the best running back the Texans could get round three or later. Somebody's going to be there, Johnny. Who's going to be there in round three? It's high up in round three. Nick wants a running back. Who should he take? Talked about this earlier about the backs. I think they sort of, oh, man, I like Brian Robinson from out of Alabama. I love the fact that he stuck it out in an era in which there's a transfer portal and I'm not getting my touches. I'm out of here. He's a Tuscaloosa. He's a Tuscaloosa kid. He, stick, he stuck around. He went through, I don't know, four or five different stud running backs. And he stayed it out. And he ended up being a, a, a bona fide star this year when he was healthy. He's an incredible pass protector. He's 225 pounds at nearly 6'2". I think he is a hammer, an absolute hammer. In the CFP playoff game against Cincinnati, Bill O'Brien just kept giving the ball. The whole first drive, just like hand it to four, keep giving it to four. Keep giving it to Robinson, and he just pounded. So I, Robinson, to me, is kind of back into two, beginning of three. I love Rashad White from Arizona State. He's the guy who told me, the Aaron Foster's guy I looked at. You know, James Cook, Georgia, can be kind of hit or miss. I have him at 101 in the Harris 100, just out of it. So he's kind of back into three. I think a guy to watch, and I think there are some connections, and that's Kyron Williams from out of Notre Dame. I think Kyron Williams, he didn't, he didn't crush it. There's no elite. I mean, the guy's 5'9 and a quarter, 194. He's not big. He's not 
you know, the fastest. He ran 4.65 in the 40, which was one of the slower times uh, of that group. But, but he's got great feet. He's smart. He's got vision. And he is the no doubt, unquestioned number one pass protector in this draft. His pass protection went viral on Twitter after the Clemson win in 2020. He hit linebackers three or four times, and people were going crazy. He's an humble, and it's, and it's consistent. It's game after game with him. So, um, you know, he's from the St. Louis area. So, you know, maybe, maybe Lovey Smith, you know, with the Illinois connection, I don't, he didn't go to Illinois, maybe recruited him, maybe saw him, I don't know. But Kyron Williams feels like a guy that to look at. And I'll give you one other, but I think he's going to go earlier in the third round, Mark. Ah. Should I even do it? Disqualified? Don't do it. Don't okay, do it. We got to get to the next one. Damian we'll Pierce. Can I tell All my right. Damian Pierce story real quick? Sure. Watching Damian Pierce running back from Florida do the bench. And not many backs did the bench. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six running backs did the bench at the combine. He rolled up with Uggs slides, bedroom <laughs> slippers on. And put this. up... And put up 21 reps at 225. It was awesome. I mean, it was awesome. It was like, I want that guy. Not to mention, he is a rock. I mean, 218 pounds just running downhill. He is a hammer. I would love any of those guys in the third round for sure. If you can back it up, go for it. If you can roll up in your bedroom slipper slides yes. and you can do it, I'm all for it. And it. I think guys like that add to the culture. Okay. Yes. I just think they yes. do. You need some characters, right? Yes. You Let's need do ben it. Jones and his bare feet. Look, I yes. know it's going to work out here money wise or whatever, but I like that kind of odd behavior every once in a while from a solid player. All right. More likely to happen, Johnny. More likely to happen. Aaron Rodgers, who's staying in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers remembered as an all time top three quarterback or Aaron Rodgers remembered outside of the top five? Is he outside of the top five or is he a top three guy in memory when he's all said and done? You are not allowed to give him the fourth or fifth spot. He has to end it like John Elway. You know, John Elway went all those years without winning a championship. I think now when you talk to people, oh, you know, Elway had two rings. For a long time, John Elway was the greatest quarterback. He and Dan Marino, the greatest quarterback that could never win one. And then they well, won him at the and end. Kelly and Kelly too. He had four right. losses in the Super Bowl. Now Marino and Kelly stayed without rings. Elway got his. I think that elevated yep. hashtag quarterback wins. That mm-hmm. elevated Elway in the minds of people being great. Aaron Rodgers throws the football unlike anybody I've ever seen from a pure physical throwing standpoint. Aaron Rodgers is top three for me and will be top three, but he's got to cement it with a couple of championships. If he gets a ring or two down the way, I think he will be remembered as such, but you win one with all that talent. I don't think people will look at it and say, well, he only won one time. Now 2014 was his fault. They recovered an outside kick. They go to the Super Bowl instead of Seattle, but you could argue 2020 against Tampa Bay. You know, he didn't have his greatest game 2021 against the 49ers, the divisional playoff round. He did not have his great a great game at all. So in big situations, eh, been yeah. shaky lately. So he's got to cement it with a championship or some win in a playoff game in which it's like the Bills Chiefs and he just goes off. And he yeah. has one of those games to kind of close it. That That's really the only way. I'm going to remember him as a top three from a physical standpoint guy. But if he wants to be top three, it's Brady. Who's two and three? Well, he can be 
two or three, but he's got to be able. I think Montana's in there as well. So if he's third, he's got to get. I mean, Montana's got four. Four? Yeah, four. And is it four? Yeah, four. And yeah, that's right. Four. Tom's got seven. Rogers has one, the same as Trent Dilfer. Well, and no one's saying he's Trent Dilfer, but I get your point. And when you talk about top three physical talent quarterbacks, just physical traits, and they want a lot, is Marino in there? Maybe that's another discussion for another day. All right, coming up, a little bit more on the news of the day. Plus, I've got an idea for the combine. Johnny, you're going to love this, and it relates to Houston. I want to bring it here, and I'm going to tell you exactly how I'm going to do it, and nobody's going to listen to me, but we'll see if they do after this conversation on Texans Radio. As promised, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you, by the way, Texans Radio. As promised, my idea for the combine, and we'll get back to some of the news of the day in just a moment here. Move it to Houston, all right? I don't know why we're not in the mix, although I have a huge wrinkle in this, John. You okay. tell me if I'm crazy or not. I think it can be done. First of all, you have the George R. Brown Convention Center. You've got the hotels. You know what the setup was for the Super Bowl, but you're missing something very big, and that is a place to do the freaking drills, but I am going to utilize where they did the Super Bowl media day. So it's not unprecedented to use a facility that belongs to another sport minute Maid park to do the combine drills, right? We make a deal here. The league does with the Astros, with the powers that be over there. You work out a way to use Minute Maid Park. Look, we were all there on the field together that night. All right. They've used it for other events. When Insperity had its name changed from Administaff to Insperity, it was on the field at Minute Maid Park. I was there. They do other stuff there. They do concerts there. You could do the combine drills at Minute Maid Park and have everything connected downtown and have your same effect that you do in Indy where you just stay at one of the hotels and walk everywhere. And it would be awesome. And it would save us money and travel as well. Wow. Now that's a plan. Mm-hmm. That that is a plan. And if you end up having good weather, you can just open the roof, which I don't know if they Ooh. ever could do in Indy. You could open the roof if you've got a nice day, which would make for really nice scenics and that kind of thing. So that would be quite interesting. That's it. If you throw in the medical um Medical center, which is nearby close enough. And you got St. What is it? St. Joseph right downtown anyway. But I know our friends at Houston Methodist are close enough. Mm -hmm. They're never far away. And Mm. of course you could accommodate everybody downtown in the hotel space you have and the city of Houston would love it. Come on people. Uh, I'll give you a more likely to happen or who's better. This is a better who's better. Okay. Who's better the Dallas star or that I look at the Dallas star. All they have Above that is an actual football mini stadium where they do those high school yeah. games that the Cowboys practice yeah. indoors. Other than that, I don't see any advantage to be in there. They have some retail and some restaurants. So what? We, we got all that downtown. I am down with this idea. I like the idea. Mm. I like it. Now, we, you and I would have to play combine host for the weekend. We could do it. We could, I think we, we could, could host everybody and it's a, it's a burden. Somebody has got to do it. You know, <laughs> our buddy, Matt Taylor has been having to do it for all these years. I think we could, uh, we could take it off his hands and, and play uh combine host. He's bringing Although- his lunch. He brings his lunch every day. He's the voice of the cults. He brings his lunch every day to the combine. Like it's a bag <laughs> lunch and his like wife packed it for him or something. And he's eating oh, like snacks man. that he got his, from his kitchen that morning. It's so funny. All right. 
obviously big news of the day, Russell Wilson going to Denver and the deal is huge. More reaction here as you have two ones, two twos, a five. You have the quarterback, Drew Locke, who we've seen here up close and personal, and it wasn't pleasant in 2019, but that was his best game by far, right, Johnny? Yep. Yeah. Uh, when he came here and by Denver far. did what they did. Uh, Noah Fant and Shelby Harris, another player, uh, and a fourth goes from Seattle to Denver in addition to Russell Wilson. So basically Seattle gets those three, three players. I mentioned two ones, two twos, and a fifth unbelievable deal. How good is Noah Fant, by the way, you were saying earlier, you want the picks, not the players, but he's pretty decent, right? I mean, if you got a player yeah. like that, he's a first round pick, not that he's worth that right now, yeah. but he's worth something. Yeah, he's worth something as long as you have the right quarterback to throw. If you just told me Noah Fant was staying in Denver with Russell Wilson, I thought, poof, uh, fantasy football, oh, pay I attention see. to that guy. But I think Denver with Albert O, I won't even try and say his last name, but Albert O, who formerly of Missouri, I think has blossomed into a pretty good tight end prospect for the Broncos that they felt like Fant could be expendable in some sense. No, Fant's a tremendous athlete. I mean, you kidding me? You put you put no fan with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett if he stays. Oh boy, that could get nice in a hurry. But who's throwing them the football? If it's Drew Locke, <laughs> the next interesting piece to me is what's going to happen with Pete Carroll because yeah. Pete's seventy, and I can't imagine Pete wants to start over. Now they could do it. They could make it real easy in not starting over by making one deal for a quarterback, be it Sean or somebody else, and they could reset that thing real quickly. But just the fact that Tyler Lockett's on the market now, apparently too, man, I, I just don't see them. I don't see them in that market. I see them. We're going to rebuild this thing. We got all the picks to do it. We're going to do it this way and get ready for that 2023 draft when they're going to be a bunch of quarterback prospects coming out of college. John, thanks a lot for the time, as always. Of course, Mark. Thank you. Draft Wednesday is tomorrow, and you never know what it's going to be, but it's going to be good. We've got a lot of stuff coming your way in the next couple of weeks. Free agency next week. We'll visit with Nick Casario after a lot of the smoke clears. It's all going to happen. Have a great night, everyone. Check out the Texans app for videos and info on your Houston Texans, all the articles, all the stories. Have a great night. Go Texans.